Welcome to Wallowing in the Shallows, the podcast that skirts the perilous drop-off of a deep dive into television and movies. We are academic nerds aspiring to become TV and movie geeks. There are no spoiler guards in the shallows, so listen at your own risk. This week, join us for a wallow in Good Omens Season 2. Hey, hello, peeps. This is Tori. Welcome to Wallowing in the Shallows. And this is Rebecca, and we're talking about Good Omens Season 2, Episode 2, Chapter 2, The Clue, featuring the minisode, A Companion to Owls. Yeah, I I, I still don't get that. (laughs) I do. Oh, okay, good. Then you can explain it to me, because I'm feeling pretty stupid about it. We can go ahead and talk about it right now. Yeah, let's do that. So... The Companion to Owls comes from the King James Bible of Job chapter 30, verse 29. I am a brother to dragons and a companion to owls. Now, I say it's important that it's the King James version. I I did a little internet research to figure Uh this out. Because in other versions of the Bible... Instead of dragons, it's jackals, and instead of owls, it's ostriches. And I was wondering if that's maybe why Job mentioned ostriches in the show, but this is clearly what it comes from, and it's connected to Job, and of course, this episode has a whole bunch of Job, and that is sort of the mini-sode within the episode is the whole bit about Job. Got it. Got it. So there you go. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. It makes me think now that maybe the whole ostrich bit is to remind people that there are multiple interpretations of these stories Mm. based on translations. Yeah. Translations are tricky. Yeah. Huh. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So So now... For the next episode, I'm going to go look that up and see it, because it's also another one of these uh, mini-sodes. Nice. Yes. Yes. I, it was very gratifying to have Job pop up, because I thought, okay, this is definitely it. <laughs> <laughs> I even did. I I did not catch it from reading Job. I did bring up the book of Job and read some of it but it got a little tedious. And so I quit. <laughs> what? The Bible was tedious to read? I'm so shocked. <laughs> I was trying, I I wanted to verify some of the lines that God was saying uh-huh. to, and I was trying to find out if God actually, if God, if in the book, there were really a lot of mentioning whales Right. Levi- the word Leviathan was used. I didn't come across whale, but uh-huh. again, I was it was not an exhaustive. I didn't do uh-huh. a search on it. I was just uh-huh. reading until uh-huh. I, t- I tired of it. <laughs> I wonder if Leviathan refers to whales. That's what I, that was my one pause on that. Huh. I thought that was possible. Huh. Now I want to go do a deep dive into the academic literature from theology to see if there's anything about it <laughs> yeah yeah 
I have the IMDb <laughs> summary up here for this episode. So I'm going to go ahead and read that. All right. Heaven and hell are determined to find the mess, the missing angel. An overheard song provides Aziraphale with a clue, clue capitalized. Crowley and Aziraphale visit the pub to discuss ways that human fall, humans fall in love. While almost 5,000 years ago, Crowley is sent to inflict punishments on the righteous Job, God's favorite person. As Aziraphale learns at first hand about temptation and what Gabriel will and won't believe. That's your IMDb? Yeah. That's not what mine says. <laughs> it's uh, quite a bit shorter. That's interesting. That it let me I mean, that is the right episode. Yeah, for sure. I because of the clue. Yes, I don't know what to tell you. I'm I'm I was under storyline. Ah, okay. I was just looking at the kind of overall the page you land on for the episode. Oh. Yes, I see. Oh no, that. Oh yeah, yours. Scene. Yeah, that storyline one is longer. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> hey, so jumping into episode two, we find oh. ourselves in twenty five hundred BC in the land of how would you pronounce that? Ooze. That's what Ooze. I was saying. I was saying ooze. Okay, but I don't know if that's. The correct way to say it? I wonder if how to say has it. How to pronounce have you ever used the site how to pronounce.com? I've definitely asked Google Google how to pronounce things. I, and that site has probably come up, but uh, not yeah, specifically. It's, it's not in there. Okay. I just say ooze. I'm assuming it's some ancient language that nobody's ever using anymore. And so we probably don't have a good linguistic. The correct. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So not too, not worth too much of our effort. Right. I did have to look up where that was though. I, well, number one, I didn't really believe it was a real place. <laughs> oh. And it, of course it is in, um, in the Bible and scholars debate whether that is like modern day Syria or modern day Jordan, like specifically Aram in Syria or Edom. Okay. In Jordan. So nobody's really sure. Okay. Long time ago. Long time ago. Long time ago. I wonder if that's where Frank L. Baum came up with the land of Oz. Oh my gosh. That's an interesting connection. It just hit me. Maybe it's pronounced Oz. Oz. <laughs> Could be. Okay. So Crowley is ready to smite a goat. And <laughs> I wondered if this was one of the things that when I was talking about the intro last time, mm -hmm. you had a little more information than I did. Because yeah. clearly that scene <laughs> in the intro has got to be alluding to this destruction or transformation shall we say yes that crowley does here and yes. i looked again at that intro and there are both sheep and goats that get burnt up so my whole idea of separating the sheep and the the goats though may still be appropriate i don't think 
that is what that scene is representing. <laughs> <laughs> they probably just didn't want to have to pay for sheep and goats. Right, right. So answer, answer there, complete. Yes. At first I thought this was going to be the time of Abraham. Yes. Oh, yeah. I I thought the same thing, actually. I didn't know why Crowley would be saying it, but I th- I thought that that's the scene we were going to see. Yeah, I did too. So I was quite surprised when there was a goat. Cute little mm-hmm. goat. Cute little, Cute goat. little goat. Yes. <laughs> so Aziraphale appears in order to thwart Crowley, but Crowley has a permit. And quite a long one. Oh my gosh, loved the animation of it literally going all the way across the canyon and coming up the other side. Yes. I was like, that is a damn long scroll. Yes. <laughs> yes. First, I loved that signed hand and hoof. Amen. <laughs> For God and Satan. Nice. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. And we see that Aziraphale is incredibly troubled about Job's children mm-hmm. being included in mm-hmm. this destruction. Mm-hmm. I wrote down, oh, I know what this was in reference to. I was like, what does this mean? Check to see if Job had seven children. Because they were going to give him more children for killing his yes. three. But actually, Job had 10 kids. <laughs> yes, three girls and seven boys, right? Something like that. I didn't write down the... The breakdown and two of the girls' names are the two names that are used. I couldn't find any names of the boys, so I don't know if the boy's name was one of the seven. Wow, but... that's unusual that you would find the names of the girls and not the boys. Yeah, and Whoa. I even know what they will will address that when we get there. Okay, but okay. Uh, I was I was. I can totally see why they chose to go down to three to simplify, but kind of sure. cool that they made the nod to seven and that there are actually seven boys. Yeah. Huh. So, yes. And do you have anything else to say about that scene before we go to heaven for no. fails questioning of the of the document? Nope. It, it just is so interesting to see how removed these celestial beings are in saying yeah so we kill the three kids but we're going to give them seven to replace them so mm-hmm. nbd and aziraphale is like no i don't think you understand this they love those children replacements mm-hmm. even if there's more and you don't even understand how birth happens and citus isn't going to want to have seven more births and can At she her even? age yeah. exactly and so it reminds me a bit of like rulers of places and people so removed from the common man that they just have no understanding of what daily life is like. Yes. And therefore, even though their decisions affect those people, they have no understanding of what's going on. And so it felt very similar with these celestial beings just having no experience right. in the human condition. Right. Think that they're doing something that should be joyous. And it ends up being like, I don't care what you did with all the goats and the house and the blah, blah, blah. But you killed my kids and think that replacing them with seven more is going to do it. Right. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to thank you for that. So anyway, interesting. 
Yes. They have no clue because they don't spend any time on Earth. Right. And Crowley and Aziraphale are always ahead of everybody else on that. Now, it's not always perfect, as we see later in this episode. <laughs> there, are, there are parts of the human experience they really don't understand, but <laughs> they know much more about it than the other celestial and demonic creatures. Yeah. What's the next thing you've got? Well, the next thing I have is the uh, bookstore where we find Gabriel singing Buddy Holly. Yes. And just before that, when we saw Gabriel in heaven, did you notice his violet eyes? Yes, I did. Yeah, I don't remember that from season one. I don't either. But obviously it's important here in season two because we have that flash of it later coming out of Jim's eyes. When yes. Jim's eyes are how I remember them from last season, totally right. normal. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think the only you know, odd colored eyes that we saw last season were Adam's. And of course, Crowley's are weird. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. He's got snake eyes, but. Yes. Just, uh, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And Jim's, uh, you know, familiarizing himself with the first sentences of books. <laughs> yeah, I went down a real rabbit hole about that later in the episode. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but that was kind of all I had is the, okay. the next thing. It was just singing Buddy Holly. Yes, yes, and we see the classic. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Mm -hmm. That's the, the, the books that start with it <laughs> and <laughs> in are big in, in this episode. <laughs> so we have our little Tale of Two Cities nod there. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's basically what we got going on, right? Tale of heaven, tale of hell. <laughs> tale of, absolutely. Absolutely. Though, I would argue that in the tale of two cities, well, yes, France is pretty hellish. I don't know if Britain is heavenly, but perhaps <laughs> in comparison at the time. <laughs> well, I think in this show, we could say, is heaven really heavenly? <laughs> well, that's fair. I'm not sure I'd want to be there either. <laughs> This is a good point. This is a good point. So, and uh, Shaq shows up again with that yes, guitar. yes. And did you notice the plants shaking when she threatened Crowley? Yes, those yeah. poor plants. What a traumatic life they lead. Oh my goodness! But they grow beautifully. They do. They do. Oh, I thought here that that. There seemed to be a little bit of a continuity thing or between this season and last season. Okay. Because, you know, Hell thinks that Hazarafel has something to do with Gabriel's disappearance. And I, I wrote down a miracle that only the mightiest of archangels could perform. Yes. But Hazarafel is not an archangel. He's a principality. Right. But it wasn't just him, right? It was the combo. Right. Well, but Hell doesn't know that. So oh. are they saying that? Well, I mean, they're clearly calling Azarophel an archangel. Okay. I see what you mean. They, but, right. but they we, seem, they seem, they seem a little skeptical that Azarophel did it. Hmm. So do you think I, she was trying to 
infer that Crowley was involved? No, I'm sorry. I don't think they know anything about Crowley. Okay. But I thought they might have thought Gabriel was involved. In his own disappearance. In this in this miracle. Whatever the the, the miracle that was in the shop. I think the miracle that Shax is referring to is that Gabriel disappeared. Oh, I'm sorry. Not the miracle that oh. brings the angels to the bookstore. Oh, I might have missed that. Because she, well, they're, it's when they're at the Crowley's car. Yeah, but I, I guess I wrote down Shaq's reports Gabriel has disappeared and that a big miracle was cast near the bookshop. Oh. That's what I wrote down. So I thought the miracle was the one that Crowley and Aziraphale did in the bookshop. Oh, so you're saying she's inferring that Gabriel was at the bookshop to perform that miracle? Well, I thought that I was picking up that they were dubious that Aziraphale could pull it off. Oh. And so then I am then I am really jumping. I, I'm making a jump to say that maybe Gabriel did had something to do with oh, it. Oh, okay. Okay. I can, yes. You'd think I only watched the episode once. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll revisit, we'll revisit their reaction to Aziraphale when we get to that part. Okay. Okay. Let's, we'll take it there. All right. So anything else before the opening credits? Nope. So... An important thing that I just wanted to point out is there is a difference between the first episode's opening credits and the second episode's opening credits. Okay. I think it's going to be carried through to the rest of the episodes. And the difference is there's a part in the opening credits where we see a theater marquee. And the theater marquee for episode one said The Arrival, which was the title of episode one. Wasn't it? Uh, Yes. Yes. And this time, the marquee says A Companion to Owls. Oh. So that's what is the the episode titles. Yeah. And when you go into the theater... In episode one, what was on the screen was the box with the this side up image. Okay. And in this episode, it was a picture of Job. Oh. So it's almost like we're seeing a little something about the mini-sode on that screen. Now, as far as I could tell, everything else was the same. Interesting. Yes, but I'm going to keep an eye on that in the rest of the of the episodes because last season I noticed no discernible difference throughout the whole season in uh-huh. that uh-huh. intro credits. So yes, I, I was didn't just notice that at all. <laughs> I was just going to check if anything else I wanted to say about the opening credits. Of course, now the Jane Austen tombstone makes more sense because <laughs> Jane Austen was mentioned in this very episode. Yes. And the everyday tombstone the everyday it's the song right right so that was i thought that was 
some enlightening pieces along of along with of course the exploding <laughs> the exploding livestock <laughs> okay well, i think that's all i need to say about the intro now maybe i'll pay more attention to it it, it even with because i watched episode one and two at the same time and as i mentioned in the last episode i didn't really pay that close of attention to it because i thought i would do my deep dive later but maybe i need to do it a little earlier than i was planning yeah, I just when I saw there was a difference, I noticed I didn't notice the marquee at first, but I noticed the picture was different on the screen. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how much is different? Huh. And those were the only two things I could note. Nice. Good eye. OK, so back to the episode. Oh, I think I mentioned that in the intro, there was the Stairway to Heaven movie poster uh-huh in the intro and we see that there's a stairway to heaven poster in maggie's shop as well oh okay so i was having movie. a hard time seeing stuff in her shop this kind of stood out to me because the image was i'd looked at it carefully in the in the opening credits okay i think it was kind of by the front door oh, okay i did uh think it was cool in this scene which is something that really popped up to me when we were talking in the last episode about the matchbox talking about the Scottish pub, the resurrectionist. Yes. And I was like, Holy cow. Now we know where the matchbooks are from. The matchbook mm -hmm. is from, right? Mm -hmm. I had a whole bunch of theories about that matchbook, but it is that earthly object is clearly from this pub. Clearly something has happened with this song. And I'm ready to jump and say Gabriel has been to that pub. And then the question is why? What would draw right. him to that club or pub? Excuse me, not club. I hope episode three is set in Scotland so we start to find out about this place. Yes, this this is very important information, right? We've got the matchbook. We've got the jukebox. Mm-hmm. Clearly, we need to learn more about the resurrectionists. Yes. And I, I, you mentioned last episode about 66 instead of 666. But for me, the the big thing is like the goat gate, right? Because goats are usually associated with hell. Yes. Or, you know, is this going to be a reference to the whole Job story again? Because goats are kind of prominent, at least in this episode, associated yes. with Job. So it'll be interesting to find out where they're going with that. It really will. And that does go back to my whole somewhat misguided uh, sheep and goat <laughs> <laughs> that the sheep represent the saved and the goats represent the damned in that parable. So <laughs> you just you just said about uh, goats yeah. being connected to hell. And so yeah. agreed, connection there as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you think, you know, we hear the trumpets and, do you yes. think that Aziraphale is like hearing those in his head? Yes, I do. Or okay. it's somehow just beyond human hearing. Mm -hmm. Because we had a case in season one where Crowley knew something had gone down. Crowley knew the devil dog, the hell beast was around or something. Something named. from hell. Yeah, the, uh, the exactly. hellhound got named. Yes, and it didn't seem like Aziraphale heard it. Yeah. So I feel like Aziraphale has a 
tab on this and Crawley wouldn't have heard it. Uh-huh. And I don't think the humans can hear it. So I, I think it is just something they are tuned into right. because of where they're from. Right. Right. I thought that it was pretty cool that the huge plume of miraculous activity worked and they didn't recognize Gabriel. Yes. So that was amazing that they were totally wrong about making it so subtle nobody would notice. Right. But it absolutely is working. Yes. It was shocking. Yeah. (laughs) Michael, don't I know you? And Jim, short for James, long for Gabriel, (laughs) says, yes, I let you in the door. (laughs) Yeah. A minute ago. Yeah. (laughs) And it seems as if a Zarafale shop is not ADA compliant because (laughs) Saraquel had to make her own ramp. Yes. Pretty substantial ramp, too. I was like, whoa. Very much so. But it was floating in heaven. What would she need a ramp for on earth? It's a floating thing. Was she on earth? Was was it a regular wheelchair? On earth, it was a regular wheelchair. On earth, she had wheels. Oh, you know, I didn't even really notice that. Yeah. Yeah. Oi, Tori. So I went on a little rabbit hole of trying to figure out what nearly 25 Lazari meant. And I believe, since it was a measurement of miracle strength, that it's connected to raising Lazarus from the dead. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, of course, I immediately thought of that story. Yeah. But I, for whatever reason, didn't put it together with like how much energy or miracle energy it would take to do that. Yeah, I felt like, okay, that does seem like a pretty strong miracle, Jesus raising somebody from the dead. And so I thought, okay, so 25 times that? Wow, that does sound pretty impressive. Yes, that was more than just a a small miracle. I guess it was the combination of the heaven and hell energy. Yes, and I am still going to, I bet I wouldn't be surprised if Crowley was more than half. I just think the guy has power and knowledge dripping from his fingers. So (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't know his own strength. Yes. Yes. And I just, I mean, I have a note. The angels are skeptical that Azaraphale could have pulled this miracle off. That's what I wrote down. Well, for I thought that miracle they were talking about was making Nina and Maggie fall in love. Mm. And that's why they were going to come and check the next day. I thought I thought they were skeptical about the power level. And I thought that they were maybe wanting to check off because they don't entirely believe him. Okay. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Absolutely loved absolutely loved that (laughs) jim really added to this scene these little bendy ones make a neato fan about a paperback (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then did you catch the fly swatting i did but i didn't see what the books were i didn't see what the books were but it's still that golden fly is it that golden fly well he actually managed to swat it no he says but don't worry, like, as if he was going to get hurt. They always get away. And so uh, after he does the swat, he, like, 
swipes his face again because he missed it and the fly is still buzzing around. Huh. And you watched it before we had the whole fly revelation. So you might want to watch that scene again because this fly is still in that bookshop and it was the thing in the box and we have to have a reveal about it. Right. Okay. And this was yet another reminder or, you know, again, they were so subtle about that fly in that box. Yeah. But it keeps coming back. And I'm sure that this was a reference to that. Huh. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sitting here thinking, what could that fly be? Mm-hmm. Is it it's gotta be associated with that pub? Yes. I don't know. Maybe we'll start to find out in the next episode. Yes, because isn't the isn't the word resurrectionist in the next episode's title? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. I was yeah. just so looking at it a moment ago. Here's hoping. So Jim is the assistant bookseller, and there was some paper. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm not remembering who was holding up the paper now, uh-huh. but I got it to freeze. Oh, yes. It's a Xerophil that's holding up the paper because yes. this is where he's talking about his clue, and he's he's there's this mystery surrounding this song, and Gabriel's been singing the song. And so what I was able to gather from the newspaper article was pretty much what we already know, that these records keep switching to every day. Mm-hmm. But I just caught that Mr. Tullock is the proprietor of the pub. Huh. He took over 20 years ago from the previous owner, and the jukebox was there before him. So the jukebox predated the current person's management and it only started acting up recently it hasn't been acting up all 20 years so my hypothesis is when gabriel is somehow with this celestial visit that's when the jukebox went on the fritz good hypothesis i tried to keep pausing to read that and i just oh it was hard yeah i gave up i got frustrated every time i paused it was blurry Mm-hmm. And then finally, one time I got it just at the right moment. And I wish it would have yielded a little bit more than mm-hmm. what I just said, but mm-hmm. that was all I got. Well, it's a heck of a lot more than I got. <laughs> and who's Zarephale sketching? Is that supposed to be Buddy Holly? I thought it was supposed to be Gabriel. Okay. Okay. I Because I, I sure didn't think it looked like Buddy Holly. No, it did not look like Buddy Holly at all. Okay. I think it was Gabriel. Okay. Anything else in that scene? Nope. On to the dirty donkey? The dirty donkey. So yet another newspaper. Mm -hmm. I saw the word Milton Kynes. Yes. Who I thought when I was looking it up, it was going to be the name of somebody. But it's a city in England. I know. I found the same thing. I'm like, what the heck? Okay. Now, the only thing I gleaned about it was it was 50 miles northwest of london and it's known for its widely accessible public art which kind of explained while it was why it was in the travel section what did you learn well one of the things i learned about it again kind of like a planned bedroom community for london but there was on i found a little thing i think i wrote it down did i write it down oh it's a reference to something from the book and evidently oh. in the book, 
like they divided stuff up and like Azarafel, what it maybe he got Edinburgh and Crowley got Glasgow. And then oh. they're, they're talking about some stuff they divided up in England, but then uh, I guess the line from the book is neither claimed any responsibility for Milton. How did you say it? Well, I just said kinds, but I actually don't know how to pronounce it. Okay. That. <laughs> okay. So. K-E-Y-N-E-S. Yes. So I guess it's just the ref- a reference to something from the book. Okay. So a nice little Easter egg for book readers. Yeah. Yeah. Which one day we're going to be. Yeah. I did laugh and I remember thinking, oh, I can't wait till Rebecca sees the headline on this paper. <laughs> Nebraska woman taught duck to play accordion. <laughs> you better believe it. I couldn't believe Nebraska made it into a show set in Britain. Yeah. I loved it. It makes me think that they just put the names of all the states in a bowl and randomly draw it. Seriously. I mean, have we heard New York City mentioned? Have we heard San Francisco mentioned? Have we heard New York or California? But Nebraska makes it in there. Let's Amazing. Just pick one of those states in the middle. <laughs> yeah. One of the flyover ones. Yes. Loved oh, it. Yeah. Glad you saw it too. Oh, yeah. And that was that was brown brown from brown's world of carpets who yes. this is going to be interesting to see if this comes into play the fact mm-hmm. that azara fail is going to have to host this little monthly street association on yes. thursday night yes yes but it is going to be on thursday do we know what day we're on i kind of missed that from the first season right? yeah like, they just Wednesday. keep saying it's, yeah present day or today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i don't know yeah I'm like okay. i had not i had not heard the british term pash for like a crush i didn't even make note of it yeah that's what aziraphale says that maggie has on nina and i kind of thought like it was short for passion like a little Mm. pash i don't know but i thought it was kind of cool could be and then here's one of those places where the angel and demon really don't get it because though they've been around these humans they maybe really don't understand love yeah or human love or mortal love whatever yeah Yeah. crowley Crowley is pretty sure you just treat them like gremlins and just get them wet and they'll begin to reproduce (laughs) i forgot about that it's been so long since i've seen gremlins and did you catch where crowley got this idea Yes, from a Richard Curtis film, which I believe which... would have been his film About Time with Rachel McAdams. Okay. Because I was looking at the movie poster for that, and it's got Rachel McAdams and uh, Dom Hall Gleason. Do you recognize his name? No. He played Bill Weasley. Okay, sure. But And they're, like, standing in the ring. <laughs> they're all Okay. Wet. Okay, probably true. I was guessing Mamma Mia, but that wasn't really rain. That was like a fire hydrant oh, that uh, popped open. Uh, well, you know, he also did Four Weddings and a Funeral, and I it's been so long since I've seen that. I was trying to remember 
if there is a a scene in that movie which could very well be because it's probably been 20 years since i've seen that movie yeah i mean there was also love actually bridget Mm -hmm. jones diary so i thought there were a lot of possibilities but kind of but perfect i mean even if we don't know which one Mm -hmm. it was a nice nod to he's he's gotten this from a rom-com yes Because those are so true, Rebecca. Come on. Yes. Who's really this really is how, what love is like? Uh, this is how we learn about human nature. <laughs> At least don't pronounce the capital letter. I loved that. I loved Crowley's line that <laughs> he yeah. could somehow pick up that Aziraphale was saying capital letter C. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was cute. I and did then like his interpretation about Jane Austen. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was trying to look up who maybe Crawley was thinking of because clearly that was not Jane Austen. Right. The diamond robber and couldn't the find, smuggler. <laughs> couldn't find anything. I thought, oh, I'll just look up who really was part of that 1810 mm-hmm. clerk and well diamond robbery. Well, mm-hmm. I, I I think that's made up. Yeah. 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 I got quite a kick out of that. Yes. My girl Jane had the Your girl. layers. <laughs> yes. And she gets, she gets a bit of a role in this episode <laughs> and loved the list of Austin books that we got to see in Aziraphale's shop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think he grabbed Pride and Prejudice. Okay. But I'm not totally sure. But I think that is, there's something later in the episode that also made me think he picked up Pride and Prejudice. Oh, I know. It's when Gabriel's reshelving things. Yes. Because he reads the first line, or I looked up the first line. Pride and Prejudice is in his list of alphabetical ordered books that he had to look up the first line of Pride and Prejudice. I didn't know the first line of Pride and Prejudice. Whoa. And he actually speaks it out loud, doesn't he? He does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't speak all of the, I, I looked up the ones that were on the shelf that he didn't read. Yes. But I think you're right. I think Pride and Prejudice is the one that is on display here. I'm impressed you know the first line, even though I know what a big Jane Austen fan is. I can't say that I can say the first line of every Shakespeare play. <laughs> well, it's the only one I know from Jane Austen. Okay. Appreciate your candor. <laughs> So Crawley, so this was a very interesting scene. Mm -hmm. Crawley can somehow get people, or at least Jim, to dig deeper and answer. Mm -hmm. And so when he forces Jim to answer, we have Gabriel's purple eyes pop in. Right. And Also, we hear Gabriel's voice sort of changing into God's voice. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Which was interesting because you were just talking about how we missed the narrator. And I think I said something like, well, she's a pretty sought after actor. Maybe they couldn't get her back. And Mm -hmm. here she is. I know that's I was really biting my tongue last episode because I knew we had her in this uh, coming episode. And so, you know, I guess it was just Gabriel 
remembering God saying it. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is outlandish. I'm going to go tinfoil here. Okay. Okay. Gabriel was not there. We see Crowley and Aziraphale witnessing God talking to Job. Right. And so part of me wondered if maybe God is in Gabriel's body, like something's gone horribly wrong. Huh. I don't, I don't know. I don't don't know. Interesting. But God, we hear God's voice and I just didn't understand why that would be a memory of Gabriel's. Right. When it was, when he wasn't there. Do you think Crowley and Aziraphale heard God's voice or do you think they just heard Gabriel's voice? I guess I was thinking it was just something for the audience. Now that's a good question. They clearly knew God had said it. Right. Because they were there and they were like, oh yeah, I remember 2,500, you know. Right. But I don't know if they heard God's voice or if that was just for us. Well, what you're saying. Jim say it. Yeah. What you're saying kind of makes sense because I did write down something Jim said, which is my head isn't big enough. Not anymore. Yes. Maybe you're onto something there. Yes. Like this infinitely large, complicated entity is trapped in even an angel would be lesser. Right. And if it, if he's totally human, even more limiting. Right. But yes, it reminded me of that Stargate episode when all this knowledge gets downloaded into what's his butt's head? <laughs> Not Captain Carter, the main guy, Anderson. What's his Richard role? Richard Dean Anderson's character? Richard Dean Anderson's role. Okay. Yeah. He has this huge download and it's too much for a human brain. I remember that episode. Yeah. So it kind of, it's real reminiscent of that, right? Yeah. Now it could just be that Gabriel is limited by this humanish form. Well, but the more I think about this, the more I'm tending to agree with you because it would also explain why we don't have God as a narrator. Right. She's trapped or she's hiding or she's hiding. Yeah. One of the, two. This, oh, this is, oh, cool. Now I'm like, hmm. and all connected to this pub, right? Yeah. Maybe something went down there. Maybe God and Gabriel met up there. Maybe God asked Gabriel for this favor for mm-hmm. her to be it. And maybe Gabriel's brain is in the fly. You know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this oh fascinating. Yeah, I wrote down my head isn't big enough as well. I there's gotta be something to that. Wow, I've gotta make a note. Is God in Gabriel? Cool. So then we jump back to the time of Job. Yes. Did you you look up the actor playing Job? I looked, he looked kind of familiar and I looked up his name, but I didn't look up his other works. What would I know him from? Well, Peter Davison. I first saw him in the 1970s BBC show, All Creatures Great and Small. Oh. Are you familiar with Harriet's work? I loved those books when i was young i have not watched the series but it's been recommended to me and now that you say that he plays 
the the veterinarian, right? Well, he plays. Uh, well, he is, yes, but he plays okay. like the the brother of the main veterinarian. So Siegfried is the main vet, and okay, uh, Peter Davison plays Tristan. Okay, so, and I love that BBC series. So when the new remake came out, I was like, oh, I don't know, but they're both really, really good, both the original one and the new one. He was also the fifth Doctor. Oh, okay. So I haven't seen Doctor Who. Okay. And he is David Tennant's father-in-law. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> this isn't the only this isn't the only David Tennant relative in this episode. Oh, who else is in it? Oh, is Georgia in it? Th- we will get there shortly. Oh, We're okay. almost there. Okay. But that is that is very interesting. Yeah. So did you look up Bildad the Shuite? When I was looking up, I remembered like the vague outline of the story of Job, but I wanted to go look for a few more details. And in mm-hmm. the site I found, which is a thing called Bible study tools, he was one of uh, Job's companions. Exactly. And there are, I mean, it, go, it goes on forever with these three friends talking mm-hmm. to Job as mm-hmm. part of the book of Job. And mm-hmm. Bildad the Shuite is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the little synopsis I read about it said that jo- or Bildad agreed with Job that he must have done something evil. And mm-hmm. he also said that his kids brought on their own destruction. <laughs> wow. I was like, dang, dude. Wow. Harsh. So we see Softy Crowley revealed again. He didn't kill the sheep and goats. He <laughs> just turned him into crows. <laughs> and I love the look on Aziraphale's face when he realizes it. Uh-huh. He's uh-huh. just all over his face. He's like, I knew it. I, I knew know it. you didn't want to kill all those innocent <laughs> goats. So now we will get to the other David Tennant connection. Enon. <laughs> I was, the minute you said it, I'm like, it has to be Enon. (laughs) Enon's David Tennant's son. All right. Did you recognize Enon from anything else? No. Enon is in Hot D, House of the Dragon. He is Aegon as his oldest iteration so far. Oh. The one that, well, I won't give away. I don't need to give spoilers for House of the Dragon. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, I knew he looked familiar to me. Number one, he does look a little bit like his dad. Yes. And, uh, but it's probably from Hot D. So put a bleach blonde wig, wig on him and you'll, you'll see it. Yep. Yeah. But I hadn't realized when I saw House of the Dragon that that was David Tennant's son. It was only because I was doing something that I was like, his name is is also tenant. <laughs> wow. So it's a real family affair. But here's where it's I found Sorry. Nice. Here's where I found that Keziah and Jemima, apologies if I'm pronouncing them wrong, were two of Job's daughters from the Bible. And it and gives their names in the Bible. Yes. Wow. And Keziah means cinnamon. And Jemima means dove. Oh, nice. I'm just still shocked that they named two of his daughters and none of his sons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually think they named all three daughters, but 
they just didn't use one of the names. I'm not sure about that. Huh. And maybe if you dig deeper, the son's names are given too. I'm not sure. Boy, Enon and uh, Kazaya are terrible. Oh my gosh. They, sh- the Shuite was right. They yeah. do deserve their destruction. Yes. <laughs> they were just awful. But I like the youngest one, Jemima. She's amazing. And I like how Crowley's like, well, you haven't, you haven't done anything to make me upset yet. Well, but can I? I <laughs> May I be? Sure. If you want yeah. to, here, here you go. You can be a blue, you can join them. Yes. Yes. But yeah, I mean, and, we just have like all sorts of evidence here that Crowley really isn't evil demon. I know. I know. I know. It's It comes back again and again. Yep. And we really see it here when he says, I go with hell as far as I can. Mm-hmm. And then he has his own code. He's got a code, Tori. He's, He's got, got a code. code. <laughs> and we see... That it is Crowley who starts Aziraphale on the path to enjoying human food and wine. <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, who can avoid barbecue ribs? I mean. Oh, oh my God. And Aziraphale <laughs> goes crazy on that ox. Boy, he is mowing that thing down. Uh, yes. <laughs> All you see are the ribs at that one point. It's so funny. Yeah. I think he's going to learn a thing or two about human digestion before too long. <laughs> so we see God talking to Job through the storm. Mm-hmm. At least some of those lines are directly from the book of Job. I didn't check the whole thing. Yeah. I did think it was very interesting that uh, just when, what, what's what's his wife's name? Job's wife? Oh, gosh. Satit. Uh, oh, shoot. Is it in I my... have that somewhere. I know it started with an S. Yes. I know it's not Sitis. 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 Which she's getting ready to, just about ready to curse God. Yes. Crowley comes running in. Like... Oh, nothing Nothing good comes of that. <laughs> Boy, she was, Sitis was really quick on the uptake and uh, oh, yeah. Job and Enon were pretty Terrible. slow. <laughs> Terrible. No, she knew exactly what was going on. And I love Gabriel was like, no, they can arrive in any size. It's yeah. totally fine that they're not babies. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we see we see the we see the violet eyes again here in Gabriel in this scene. I wonder if that's going to be significant. I mean, it's a big change. It is big. One. Yeah. Hmm. I can't believe anybody believes anything Aziraphale is saying. He's a terrible liar. Agreed. I wonder what the purpose of the scene on the street was between Nina and Crowley. Yes. I mean, we get we enough find out. Yeah, Lindsay's not happy. But uh-huh. we already knew and that, that it was a bad night. And it yeah. seems like it was a bad night, mostly from her going home. Right. Not so much stuck in the store. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe we'll find out. I'm still confused as to what that whole storyline is going to add to the main plot. Agreed. But clearly we're, somebody's going to come checking this miracle. So something's going to have to happen where they try to get them to do something. Right. But yes, I, we're still real TBD on what all is going there and their connection to the characters from season one and them using their real names. And so, yeah, lots of questions still unanswered there. Yeah. Yeah. 
loved how Aziraphale just sort of popped up from behind Crawley's car. That was so cute. I was like, oh my gosh, look at that. With the little, oh, it was like a, a jingly, sparkly tune, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Adorable. And then he got his driver's license 90 years ago. Oh, I insisted they test me, even though it wasn't right. required. <laughs> right. Right. So what was he on? A, the Model T? Probably. Now, the one line I did need to look up was, it was the day my grandmother exploded. Yes. And I was like, that's the first line of a book? Yes. That's as bad as grandma got run over by a reindeer. I didn't recognize that either, but it sounds like you looked it up as well. Yeah, it was one of those books that we saw on the shelf, The Crow, Crow Road. And it is by Ian Banks. Yeah. It was yeah. I-A-I-N. Yeah. And he's Scottish. So I saw, I thought that was interesting, the Scottish connection. Mm-hmm. And I looked up a little bit about the plot, but nothing jumps out to me right now as being mm. relevant. But I thought the Scottish was relevant. Right. Yeah. So then the next book was The Curious Incident of the, I, I'm going from left to right on uh-huh. the shelf. Uh-huh. Did you look these up? I well, I've read the curious incident of a dog in the nighttime. But did you know the first line? No. Okay. I didn't so, write down any of the first lines. I just wrote down Okay. titles. What do you have the first line of it? I do have the first lines. Okay. So first is Crow Road with the it was the day my grandmother exploded. Second mm-hmm. one was the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. It was seven minutes after midnight. Mm-hmm. Next one was catch twenty-two. It was love at first sight. Mm-hmm. Next is love in the time of cholera. It was inevitable. Okay. Nineteen eighty-four. It was a bright cold day in April. I didn't do the whole first sentence. I just did the first few words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The big sleep. It was about 11 o'clock. The Bible in the beginning. Yeah. The Great Gatsby in my younger and more vulnerable years. Catcher in the Rye, if you really want to hear about it. Herzog, if I am out of my mind, it's all right with me. And one thing that's kind of interesting is they're actually alphabetical from right to left, not left to right. Huh. Well, that would be the Hebrew way of doing it, right? It sure would be. You think maybe that's a nod? I'm going to make that assumption. Oh, I like it. Oh, I like it a lot. Yeah, so then we we have Gabriel actually reading a few, and here is where the one that you recognized immediately that I did not from Pride and Prejudice. To say truth universally acknowledged. And then he reads, in the beginning, it was a nice day and goes on and on. And I'm assuming those are the opening lines of the actual book, Good Omens. It certainly was the beginning of episode one of season one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it probably is. Since we so, haven't read it yet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I thought that was, and I wondered if that is why, you know, they selected these other famous books. I, I, it's amazing. These, these are pillars of literature, right? Yeah. Here. yeah. And of course there must be tons of other less famous books that start with it or in. Right. But 
I was impressed with how many they were able to come up with that did start with that word or or the other in orbit. I guess I I always assume like really famous authors are really well read. Yes. Especially in the like the big classics. Yes, I guess I'm just saying I am surprised there are that many classics that start with it or in. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Although I'm not sure I would call the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. a a big classic but (laughs) that's fair that uh, and i wonder if there's some kind of nod to maybe somebody really likes that book or something and maybe they really had to scrape yeah that could be that could be too yeah and that was pretty much it right well they're by the sea we end with them by oh yeah 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 i'm sorry i I skipped that part i mean i just kind of assumed that was supposed to be the sea of galilee or the dead sea or something yes yes i was thinking the same and aziraphale thinks he's gonna go to hell because he lied (laughs) he was so scared and crowley's just like (laughs) trying really hard not to burst out laughing (laughs) yeah i'm not telling anybody yeah (laughs) for me i think I, when I was looking at that scene and watching it the second time, I was like, I wonder if that seems to be like the moment that they really maybe start their friendship. Right. Right. Because at the open, when they meet up, they remember each other. Yeah. But it doesn't seem, I mean, I guess we did see the scene of Noah's flood. Right. Noah's Ark. And right. so it'd be interesting to go back to that season one clip and see how friendly they seem there. Yeah. But yes, this felt significant in their mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah. It was fun. I am so sucked in. I am so dialed in. I am going to be watching episode three right after we get off the phone <laughs> <laughs> or the mic, whatever we're on. <laughs> the internets. Yeah. I was thinking, okay, I haven't eaten dinner yet, but I can quickly eat and then I can launch it. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm well. with you. I really want to see where we go in the next episode me too and we're so glad that you are all riding along with us yes so i guess all there is to say is bye thanks for listening wallowing in the shallows is created and produced by the both of us edited by mo the soundtrack for the wallowing in the shallows good omen season two chat is dmitry shostakovich Jazz Suite Number 2, Waltz Number 2, from the Internet Archive at archive.org. You can send us feedback at witstvpod at gmail.com. That's W-I-T-S-T-V-P-O-D at gmail.com. Subscribe. And subscribe. And subscribe. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Like and subscribe.